Welcome to Advice with Miss B, the podcast where you'll find the advice you didn't know you needed. Join me as we dive into everyday topics from taxes to laundry and everything in between. Whether you're a high school student, college student, a young professional starting out in the workforce, or just anyone really, I aim to equip you with knowledge and insights that will make your journey through adulthood easier and more enjoyable. So this is Advice with Miss B, and let's get this learning going. Welcome to another episode of Advice with Miss B. I'm Miss B, of course, and today we're going to dive into a topic that may seem a bit old-fashioned in the digital age, but it is still incredibly useful. How to write a letter and addressing an envelope to send it through the U.S. Postal Service. My relative that we call Cousin Terry, it's hard to explain how she's related, gets a shout out for this one. She's a boss woman and messaged me the other day, letting me know that addressing an envelope is something some people really need to learn. Decided to toss in the letter writing because who doesn't like getting a letter? So whether you're sending a heartfelt note, formal document, or even just a friendly greeting, understanding how to do this properly can save you time and ensure your message reaches its intended recipient. Okay, first things first, the basics of letter writing. Whether it's a personal letter, a business communication, or anything between, there is a standard format to follow. You can also kind of use this for emails. The only difference is like an email would not have a date. You wouldn't type the date, but on a letter, you do put the date. Put the date at the top of your letter, generally right-hand side, so far over to the right. Then you have back to the left, your salutation, which is a fancy way of saying your greeting, your opening. So you start with a polite greeting like dear so-and-so. If you don't know the person's name, you can usually use a generic salutation like to whom it may concern. Some will argue that that's like outdated and old. For letters of recommendation, I have seen something like Dear Hiring Committee or to those reviewing applications. So I started using something like that on letters of recommendation for students that have asked me to write things. But you have your salutation, your greeting. Then you skip a line or two and you have your introduction. So in the first paragraph, you're going to introduce yourself and tell them why you're writing. What's the point? Why do they need to keep reading kind of thing? People don't want to read this giant, long, drawn-out thing just to get to the point of why you were writing in the first place at the very end. After that, you have the body of your letter. You're going to use paragraphs, so break it apart, provide details, explanation, backing up your main point, and make sure you use clear and concise language. Unless you're trying to tell an elaborate creative writing story in your letter, you're going to want to keep it short, especially business stuff. Keep it short, straight, to the point. Tell them what you want to tell them kind of thing. You have a closing. So first I would summarize, like, I covered these points, and I would do a call to action. If you want something to be done after reading this letter, put it in there as your call to action. Much like I do at the end of my podcast where I ask you to share it, subscribe, all that stuff. Same idea. What do you want them to do after reading this? So it could be call to set up a time that we can meet. I'd love to grab a coffee and catch up. But, like, tell them what you want to do. You don't have to have a call to action, but if you want something to be done, make sure you put it there. And then your closing statement, such as sincerely or best regards or yours formally or love you, that kind of thing, or just love, I guess, comma. And then you're going to put your signature beneath your closing. So if you're typing this, you're going to want to leave some space underneath that, that sincerely line to where you can actually physically sign it with pen. And then if you have a title or affiliation, you can put that underneath your signature spot. 
Again, if you're typing it, you're going to leave a couple of blank lines and then put that underneath. So it could be like, sincerely, Miss B, I would sign Miss B part. And then below that, it would be podcaster extraordinaire. Right? Totally. Of course. All right. Now that we know how to write a letter, move on to addressing an envelope. If you'd like your letter to actually arrive, this is important. They do have some detailed documents. If you dig on the United States Postal Services website, you can Google USPS.com or whatever it is, and you can start, like, Google how to address an envelope, and they give you so many documents, which is kind of crazy, and tips and hints and stuff. But here's a quick summary. Your return address. If it gets stuck in the mail system, I guess you could say, and it has to come back to you, where do you want it to be returned? So start with your return address in the top left corner of the envelope. This is where they will send it back if it cannot be delivered for some reason. They recommend nothing smaller than an eight-point font. So if you are smart enough to figure out how to get your printer to print it, make sure you don't use anything smaller than an eight-point font. Or if you're printing out return address labels or something like that, make sure it's at least eight-point or larger. You can also get fancy and put it on the back flap instead if you want it. So like wedding invitations and stuff like that, they make the front all nice and pretty, and they usually have the return address on the back. If you're doing wedding invitations or graduation invitations or invitations for something, 1,000% make sure you put a return address. I think we had five things returned to us um, when we sent out wedding invitations. And a few of them had moved, and so I had to readdress them and resend them, and a couple of them had not moved. So it was really good that we got them back, because then we could call the people up and be like, hey, did you move? We got a wedding invitation back, and they're like, no. And then we were able to get it to them a different way. Anyways, okay, return address, very important. Then you're going to put the recipient's address in the center, front and center of your envelope. Put their name. Next line would be the street address. And the next line is going to be city, state, and zip code. Make sure it is legible. It is readable. So if you have sloppy handwriting, figure out how to get something to print it for you. Okay? Get somebody else to write it on there or something. Make sure it is legible and accurate. At least a 10-point font if you type it. Okay? Make sure it's big enough. And if you have an apartment number or suite number, so like a business is usually like suite 200 or whatever, it's going to go after the street address, okay? Then you're going to put your postage, your stamp, in the top right corner. Make sure you put enough on there based on the weight and the size of your letter. So if you're using an extra large envelope, know that you're probably going to need to add extra postage. If you're not sure what this is, You're going to need a scale that measures down to like ounces and grams and things. Or just take it to the post office and have them do it. Okay. Um, But you can look up the rates and stuff on USPS's website. They do also sell things called forever stamps. So you buy them at today's postal rate and they're good until you use them up. So if the rate goes up again, you can still use them. You can also buy postcard stamps, which is cool. So a normal stamp or a forever stamp is going to be just a regular envelope with a letter in it. Anything more than that, you're going to have to add stamps to it. They do have like small scent stamps and all that good stuff. But postcard stamps are something that are little known. They are a few cents cheaper than regular stamps because you can send a postcard cheaper than it is to send a letter. When you address a postcard, 
On the left side of the postcard is where you write whatever you want to write. Not recommended to put an address in there whatsoever. And then on the right half is where you write the recipient's address, so whoever you're sending it to. Top right corner is always where the stamp goes. That's where your postage goes. And then you can just drop them in the mail and they get sent. They will not come back to you, though, if it doesn't actually get there. Okay. But it is cheaper to send a postcard than it is to send a letter. All right. So some additional tips to ensure your letter arrives smoothly through the USPS system. Always, always, always use a legible handwriting or type it. So whether you're writing by hand or use a computer, make sure the address and the letter itself are easy to read. Don't use an uber fancy font if you're typing it, okay? I know you think it looks pretty, but don't do it. At least the address, the city, state, and zip needs to be very neat and legible. Why? Because a machine is reading it. Computers now scan your mail and read the addresses, and that is how it is determined where it's going to go. If it cannot read your mail, it gets kicked out to the side and a person actually has to do it. And that's when more mistakes start to happen. And that's when they start to get grumpy with you. Double check your addresses. They can't deliver it if they don't know where it goes. Only on a few very rare, very small town occasions have I heard of mail actually making it to the person. My parents being one of them. They used to live in this little town. And I used to be able to get their name and the city, state, and zip on the envelope. And the postmaster who went to high school with my dad knew how to get it to them. I only did that because I knew the postmaster knew them. And because they changed post office boxes every year, they would have to close their post office box when they went south for the winter, open up a new one. And so the numbers would often change if their old one wasn't still available. And I could never remember which number was the current post office box number. So that got it there. It was fun. Um... Also know that super stiff or square envelopes will cost extra to send because for some reason they can't go through their sorting machines and they have to sort them by hand. So I worked at Hallmark in case you didn't listen to that episode about sending the second card or buying the second card. Um, and we sold these really nice, beautiful square cards and they were extra to send. But you could actually ask Hallmark, and they had rectangle ones that you could send them in. Well, the way that we communicate because of technology has changed over time, but the art of sending a well-crafted letter still holds value, and it can convey a personal touch that emails and texts sometimes lack. Everybody likes getting a card or a letter kind of thing. So, if you found this episode helpful, please share it with your friends and family, and as always, if you have any questions or topics you'd like us to cover in the future episodes, feel free to reach out to us like Terry did. You can either message me on Instagram at buzzgoesbee or email me at buzzgoesbee at gmail.com and go send a letter to somebody. 